We all have a yearning for love, but relationships can be confusing and complicated. Dr. Tammy Balashevsky says it all starts from within. It starts with a journey to center. Here's your host for Journey to Center on Empower Radio, Dr. Tammy Balashevsky. Hello, you beautiful people. So happy to be spending some time with you here today on Journey to Center. You know, we all have poignant and powerful moments in our lives that affect us forever. I'm sure if you review your life right now, you could pinpoint some of them for yourself. And sometimes those transformational moments are not the grace-filled, easy ones, but the challenging and painful ones. Something I personally believe is there are lessons, blessings, and incredible opportunities in our most difficult life experiences. Here's a beautiful quote from James Affey. God brings men into deep waters not to drown them, but to cleanse them. And it's often in those deep waters we access courage we did not know we had and embody a strength beyond what we realized in less trying times. The truest truth is we all have priceless gifts and resources buried in our heart and gold in our soul. This is the wonderful subject that my expert today is going to be talking about, Charlene Costanzo. Here is a quote from her latest book, Touchstone, Story for Living the Twelve Gifts. No matter who we are, no matter what we face, we have powerful gifts within us that can help heal, enrich, and empower every area of our lives. Her new book is a collection of stories that can inspire you to tap into your inner gifts even when, and maybe especially when, fear, hurt, anger, or doubt has derailed you. So are you ready to tap into your gifts and go to the next level in your life? Do you desire to experience greater enrichment and empowerment? I know I do, so I'm very excited about having this conscious conversation with Charlene. Charlene Costanzo is an award-winning and best-selling author, workshop facilitator, wife, mother of two adult children, and grandmother of twins. She holds a bachelor's degree in philosophy and a master's degree in spiritual psychology. She has written several books, including The Twelve Gifts of Birth, The Twelve Gifts for Healing, The Twelve Gifts in Marriage, and The Thirteenth Gift. The Twelve Gifts series of fables began in 1987 when Charlene wrote The Twelve Gifts of Birth as a life message for her own daughters. Twelve years later, she published the book, traveled in an RV to 48 states, and discussed its messages in schools, shelters, prisons, churches, and hospitals. Hello, Charlene. I'm so happy to be hanging out with you here today. Oh, hi, Tammy. Me too. I love that quote. I've got to get that one about being in deep waters. I haven't heard that. And I love quotes are touchstones for for us also. I think so too. I think quotes and stories have a way of bypassing the intellectual mind and go straight to the heart. Oh, or wisdom. Like something just goes, ah, I know that. Yes, like a moment of recognition or relatedness or connection. And that that is something I really, really love about your latest book. I know you've written other novels, but your touchstones, the 12 stories for living the the 12 gifts, are just these quick stories that you could read one or two before you go to sleep at night and just inspire you and touch your heart in a way that just, again, just goes straight to the heart of the matter. Oh, thank you, Tammy. Yeah, I like um, I like long books too. I like epics, but I guess I love all kinds of story. But I love those little chicken soup for the soul type. You know that 
it's um, they're brief, and yet we feel so nourished, uplifted, kind of healed um, by just reading a short story. And um, because that aha happens in our heart and our soul and our body feels a little bit better, too, when we're uplifted. I know. I think it takes care of us on all levels, physically, yeah. mentally, emotionally, and lines us up spiritually. And that that can help us in so many ways. When we're lined up spiritually, I think life works with much greater grace and ease. You know, that's the journey to center. <laughs> Right. And well, I'll tell you, I have to return again and again and again. If I was someone, I have to tell you, Tammy, I think this is true for all of us, but I know sometimes when I listen to people on the radio or on TV and they write these books, I think, wow, they must have it all together. It looks like, <laughs> it looks like they do. And, um, but I will tell you, it's, I use these stories and I'm always looking for new ones precisely because I need them. You know, oh, I need, yeah. I, I, again, sort of lose my sight. It's kind of like, you know, I wear glasses. And every morning I wake up, open my eyes, and I can really see quite well. But in order to really see clearly, sharply, I I put my glasses on. And I find that by using, you know, quotes, prayers, stories, it's kind of like putting glasses on and I I see life how I want to live it more clearly. Mm, That's so true. And even if we can see well, things happen. You know, that's something I love about your stories. It's like the challenges can be blessings. You know, a thought popped into my mind as you were doing the introduction, and since it did that, and I believe that we should pay attention, I write a lot, quite a few of my stories in the chapter of wisdom are about listening to when we get these little nudges, we hear a voice, we're driving along and something on a billboard jumps out at us kind of like, hmm, pay attention. All those times to pay attention, I feel that the wisdom in us is speaking to us in subtle ways. But as you were talking, I had, I thought about Jacob's ladder and Jacob um, in the Bible uh, arguing or wrestling with an angel until he got the blessing. And um, I was thinking about how for myself very often, and there are still situations in my life that I have not really gotten the full meaning. You know, I think we all, in looking for touchstones, when we look at the times we face struggle and we see how we had a triumph, we can go, ah, yes, I see how I tapped in there, you know, to strength and how I use wisdom or courage. And maybe I had kind of angelic help in some way. But I don't know about you, but I still have a few things in my life that I'm still like, Hmm. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't fully, I feel like I didn't yet get the blessing of that. And I think. Has, yes. Like it hasn't know, quite turned that. into that diamond. <laughs> but right, right. It's still, there's still something there. But so I love that. See, now that's a, a, a biblical touchstone for me, a scriptural one, because I think, uh, and I'll say sometimes, okay, angel, you know, I'm still willing to like work with this one, you know, work with me here. So I get the meaning of this one. Is there something still triggering me? You know, what, any of those things. Oh, and if I can jump right into one of my stories. Please. In the book, that reminds me, one thing that gives me so much hope and encouragement is my mom. Quite a few uh, stories in the book are about my mom. Um, And one is when she was near the end of her life, when she was, she was dealing with um, leukemia and, um, she got to the point when she was not, she realized she was not going to get better. And when she came to terms with that, and she started to pray every day and ask, she couldn't really do anything anymore. And she said, ah, well, God, what do you want me to learn today? And she would, 
I could tell she was listening, thinking. She was very reflective. But then she would, several times, she said, oh, it's all falling into place. Oh, and she would, like, move her hands in a way like she was putting a puzzle together. And I got the sense that a lot of the things in her life that up until then she had not yet. She had, my mother was peaceful, loving, beautiful. But I got the sense there were still some things that maybe she thought, why did it turn out that way or, you know, those things. And, and it just seemed to all fall into place for her like she was seeing it. She didn't share the stories with me, but I could see on her face and in her experience. So that's one of my touchstones for hope and trusting in what is unfolding always, even though we may not see how, why at the end of the day or tomorrow or even next year. But I think we're, even things that really seem troubling or why did it turn out that way? And I have plenty of stories that I can see. Oh, well, I'm so glad it turned out that way. I can see it. But for those that I can't, I think of my mom and near the end of her life saying, kind of like, you know, I see it. I see it all. Mm, I love that. I mean, that is a prayer I often um, utter. Okay, God, I'm confused, but I know you see a bigger picture than I have access to right now. So I'm just going to relax and trust you. And and I think in a way that's a it's it's a way that I can release my resistance because I think when we're in our resistance and our struggle is is what causes us pain and keeps us in that space. So I just choose to set it down and and have a faith in a higher order, if you will, because I yeah. know on some level this is going to make sense from this higher altitude. Everything makes sense, but when we're in these human bodies on this side of the veil, we don't always have access to it. No, and I know that to be true. I'm, I'm with you on that, you know, in my head and in my heart a lot of the time, but not always. You know, my sure, consciousness absolutely. isn't always there. So for the times that I'm still, I don't know, just at a, a, you know, down here on the ground, not having that perspective of flying in an airplane and having higher altitude, I'm in the thick of things and I kind of can't see my way out. That's where the stories help, you know, and the yes. affirmations, the prayers and but I particularly find, and I think we all, that's why parables are so powerful, because with stories, we, we have that aha. And um, I think it's, I love to hear other people's stories, and I think it's really important that we collect our own as well, because they're really going to be powerful us when we, for us when we can say, okay, I may not be feeling strong right now, but oh, look at that time back then. But look what I did. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. We need to remember Mm, I think that's so true. You know, we've talked about this before, and I think it's so important, so powerful just to acknowledge ourselves, to turn around and, and look at what we've done right or how far we've come, because we can get really overwhelmed looking forward at, at far we ha- how far we have to go. But just like running a marathon, if you can just kind of take a moment and say, you know, I've come a long ways. I did really well. To be able to just give ourselves that acknowledgement and, and, you know, Acknowledge those gifts that are within us. Yes. Every time they've shown up, we can say, and then it helps us to remember for when we need them again, to remember to tap into them because they are there. I think eventually we do, you know, but I think we'll get to them sooner. The more that we use them, just like with anything, the more we use something with a conscious awareness, the more we're just going to go to them quickly. They're Mm -hmm. going to be flowing more readily. And I, so I think it's, just, it's still early in the year. People are still, 
Oh, thinking about their goals, you know, resolutions. And I think sometimes, as you said, we're very forward-thinking. And sometimes when we're thinking, okay, well, what what are the things, what do I want to be different this year, better? We sometimes first look at, well, what where there is the lack, you know, or what's wrong or what don't we like? And I think it's really important to also look back and say, well, what did we do? What are some of the great things we did this past year? And what is working in my life? And let's build on that. I love that, Charlene. Instead of focusing on what we don't have and what we don't like, be able to just take that moment and acknowledge what we do have, what we do like, what we have done right. And I think that really helps us start to ascend, start to kind of spiral up instead of spiraling down, you know? Well, for one thing, another thing that it does um, is change the energy so we're not in a place of fear. Yes. 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 I know yes. When Move we're, up towards love. Yes. Yeah. Right. At, at least, you know, um, I, I find I first go from that feeling of scary, shaky, some icky kind of feeling, tightness in my chest and throat. And then as even, even having the intention to let that go, and as I think, okay, what gift would best serve me now? Even if I'm just using a word as a touchstone before a story, I find it just something starts to soften, and then maybe I don't shoot right into love and you know, optimism, <laughs> but um, I feel at least that, that trust in what is unfolding, you know, an ease, a hopefulness. Yes. That, that is exactly what I'm talking about. Just being able to relax into that place of faith. And it is inside of us. That, that space of love is inside of us. And we think we want something outside of us to make us feel safe, make us feel good, make us feel loved. But anything we really want is really within. And, and I love that that is your teaching, your message. We have all those gifts inside of ourselves. And, um, and the asking, I was just thinking how, Tammy, it's not only the big, big things or things we, we want to change in relationship or finance. It's, you know, throughout the day, practicing it with little things. For example, I have one here. Now, unfortunately, I didn't stay upset too long, but just a little while ago, I dropped my cell phone into the bathtub. Well, <laughs> for a few moments, I really let it, like I resisted. You know, I got all tightened up and mad at myself. Mm-hmm. And, but I found that you know, I stopped and said, okay, it, it happened. I, but I, I fished it out quickly and I put it in a bowl of rice. I, I heard that helps to draw the water yes. out. I hope it will. But yes. I found that, you know, okay, even if it doesn't work and I have to get a new one, is it going to help me now to be, to stay in a place of anger, frustration, and, oh, how much is it going to cost or any of that? But how, how wonderful it is to practice, to reach in and give myself some compassion. Say, Charlene, it's okay. It was an accident. You know, so many of us kind of can beat ourselves up in little ways over, well, big things and little things. Do you agree? Oh, absolutely. I think that's so true. I mean, it's clumsy being human, and we can beat ourselves up instead of have compassion, you know? Yeah. And, and sometimes my point with that was sometimes I feel that, I'll notice with big things because I, I think, okay, now this, I really need to call on those gifts, you know. But sometimes the little things, you know, like I also was making, I'm in a, a little bit of a hurry and I was cooking something, I burned it. I did a few klutzy things today. And again, you know, just maybe if we practice it more and more with the small stuff, you know, what's that book? Don't sweat the small stuff, you know, practice our 
pulling upon our compassion and our all of our gifts in the little things, um, it'll make the big things easier too. And I think you bring up a really good point here, Charlene. It's like when the big things happen, we know to call on our, our deeper reserves, if you will, but those little things can kind of, we can stumble on those. <laughs> yeah. And kind of forget that, okay, yes. this is, well, in fact, I have some friends who think that prayer, you only pray when it's big stuff. <laughs> I've, I, have you ever heard anybody say that? That is kind of funny. I know. I Marian Williamson says that it's not that we ask God for too much; we ask for too little. For too we little, need to yeah. Every day, well, you know, we need to stay in constant communication. I, I think that's so people, funny. I know it should be it's constant. I think, you know, to aim to just sort of be in the dance in a loving embrace in God's arms all the time. Why not just some of the time? <laughs> Gosh, that feels good when you say it. I want that. <laughs> Oh, me too. Me too. Well, it's, um, I love to talk like this because then it, you know, it reinforces it in me. And I think we, we need it all the time, just like we need food, we need sleep, we need spiritual reinforcement. Yes. And that, that's what I love about Empower Radio. It's like anytime you turn it on, it's going to be something that, that can probably support you. A little, a little nugget of wisdom, a little, you know, a bit of sustenance for your soul. And, mm. and that is the place I want to reside. That's the place I'm Yeah, at. and it, it will, if I've sort of, my consciousness has kind of gotten, I don't know, like drifted down, I'm sluggish, I'm sort of less awake, you know, I feel more awake then. Mm. Isn't that true? I mean, I struggled with chronic fatigue for many years, so what you're saying is very literal, very mm. literal for me. It's like, and it can be hard to wake up, but it's, you know, it's, it's life isn't so much fun if we stay asleep, so... No. I love having these conversations. I love reading your books. I was surprised to hear you've written so many and, and you've so many of your books are out there and I think influencing and affecting the world in a really beautiful, grace filled, sweet way. And I just, I admire and respect that so much. You've been so devoted to your process and bringing more kindness into the world. So I just, I really want to thank you, Tammy. Thank you. And well, in the very first book and the first story was something that came out of a a time of kind of confusion and pain. My first book, The Twelve Gifts of Birth, which is only 500 words, you can, it can be read in five minutes, but it's richly illustrated with photography and um, art. And it's still the bestseller. It's won seven awards and it sold five times as many, it sells like five to one to my other books. It really, really wow. does well. And, um, and maybe because of the way it came, I wrote it for my own children, as you said in the introduction, when they were teenagers. But I, my, the experience I had, where it came from in terms of kind of a pain, was I had a wake-up experience in my kitchen when my, my daughters were in high school and they were, in the afternoon, they weren't home from school yet. I was just putting dishes away, not really thinking about anything. And all of a sudden, I had this flash of, oh, my goodness, how quickly the time went by. They were 16 and 17 years old then. And I just, it, it's like I had a real wake-up, shake-up, like not near-death experience, but it really was a whole different kind of, like I had a partial life review and I saw the years pass quickly, and my daughters sometimes say, Mommy, could we do this? And at times I half, you know, paid attention. And I, Anyway, I said, have I been a good mom? And I realized it was yes, and I did the best I could at the time, but I knew more then, and I knew that unconditional love was the most important thing I could give them, more than giving them great 
teaching experiences and preparing them for college and loving, loving, loving. And I, I knew it, I felt it so profoundly. I thought, well, how can I tell them now? What can I, you know, I, I was looking in the past and I started forward thinking, but I was thinking, well, before they go on to, they graduate from high school and go to college, I have to give them something like a beautiful poem and a statue, a work of art, something and I didn't find anything. And I had a dream, actually, a few weeks later with this story, which tells them it was what I wished I wish I had been saying to them from the time that they were born and kind of really showing to that to them. If I may just read the, the heart of that message, it opens with a little fairy tale, which I won't read now. But essentially, the message is that to tell every child that you were born with these gifts. Everyone is um, not just the royal children, like in the fairy tales that fairy godmothers brought royal gifts to the royal prince and princess. Every child is born, and the message is that the wondrous moment you were born as you took your first breath, a great celebration was held in the heavens, and 12 magnificent gifts were granted to you. The first gift is strength. May you remember to call upon it whenever you need it. The second gift is beauty. May your deeds reflect its depth. The third gift is courage. May you speak and act with confidence and use courage to follow your own path. The fourth gift is compassion. May you be gentle with yourself and others. May you forgive those who hurt you and yourself when you make mistakes. And it goes on to tell about your 12 gifts. Mm, and I, I love that. And to know that we all have them that we each and every one of us have these gifts and maybe some of them are closer to the surface and perhaps others are a little more latent, but we all have access to all of them. Yeah. And I, I especially, I love the way it came to me. I really didn't think this not, it did not come through my head. It came through yes. my heart, through my experience, through something of loving. It's such an act of love because I wanted to give something to my daughters. And then I published it because I want all children somehow to hear things like this. But I love the may yous, you know, the may you, may you use your gifts in this way and that way and the little guiding things like talent. The seventh gift is talent. May you discover your own special abilities and contribute them toward a better world. I just want every child all, and every child of all ages, every adult know, mm. yes, you do have talent. I've heard so many people say, I don't have talent because they think it means athletics, academics, or artistic ability. You know, and we all have this more. Yes. talent, or the whole, the mix of who we are, our interests, our special abilities, our dreams, our calling, that's our talent. And we're all, we're all meant to do something with it so that we feel fulfilled and happy and we make the world, we enrich the world also. So beautiful. Charlene, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, something I say, because I teach workshops and I talk about being creative and being talented. And when people argue with me, it just came forward. We're all aspects of the creator, of creative intelligence. Therefore, each and every one of us is creative. We are born from that. We are that. And not to fight against it, because then I think we're in our ego. You know, yeah. you're saying you're different uh, than everyone. And yet, I know so many people, so many children now still continue to not, not get this message. So it is so important that... So important. Just that it gets out there to children. Um, well, that was one reason why I, um, my husband and I moved into a motor home and traveled around the lower 48 states. And then we do, we flew to Alaska because 
it was a long, it would be a real, it was already a long trip after a year in the whole country, you know, but, and, and I visited schools, shelters, hospitals, prisons, reading that message. But if, I wanted to tell you in Alaska, it was the only time I had this experience, a little girl, it's one of the stories in the book too, I was talking about talent. And I would ask the kids to tell me, tell me about some of your special abilities. What are you good at? What do you like to do? And, um, well, they would, and usually they're already so programmed that it was um, about what grades, you know, athletics and some performance, you know, art, dancing. And, um, but anyway, it was there that one little girl said, I don't have any talent. I don't have any talent. At, at this Boys and Girls Club, I hadn't heard that, you know, the whole year. And she argued, and she, like, yelled, I don't have any talent. And I said, why do you say that? And she said, because my mom says I'm good for nothing, and she knows. My mom is smart. Aww. I got that message, early, you know. That's a sad um, story. <laughs> I'm sorry to tell that. And yet, I think it's um, it's stories like that, and it's, it goes on. It gets better, though. When we started to talk about what do you like to do, to asking everyone more about what they like to do, my mission in that class, in real oil classes, was really to expand the notion of talent. So I asked what, you know, what do kids like to do? And then they would say, oh, well, I like to help my mom cook, and I like to take care of, take my dog for a walk, and I like to plant flowers, and I, I'm good at taking care of little kids. And she said, you know, she likes to take care of her cat. And then she got the, and I said, that's one of your talents. That's one of your special abilities. And I just see when I love seeing, especially the faces of children, to, you know, where they have an aha and think, oh, talent's something bigger. So if I don't get straight A's and if I'm not, you know, really, if I may be a little klutzy, I'm not great at, I'm the last one picked for on the sports team and I don't have a great singing voice or whatever, I still, I do have talent. Yes. That's so sweet. All right, Charlene, we are going to go to a quick break here. When we come back, Charlene is going to share with us how we can cultivate our own powerful collection of touchstones to enrich our lives on all levels. So get a pen and a piece of paper. This is going to be really good stuff. So we'll be right back with Charlene Costanzo. The odds of having a boy. One in two. Who grows up loving baseball. One in six. And then makes the varsity team. One in 20. Which earns him a college scholarship. One in 2,500. That gets him a contract in the minors. One in 3,700. Which leads to starting shortstop in the majors. One in 290,000. The odds of having a child diagnosed with autism? One in 150. You know the odds. Now learn the signs. Go to AutismSpeaks.org. Autism Speaks. It's time to listen. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Ranger Station, Ranger speaking. Yeah, hi. Uh, I'd like to report a 
bear sighting? Location. In the forest near the side of the road. No need for alarm, sir. The forest is where bears live. But this was no ordinary bear. No ordinary bear? At one second, I'm having a smoke taken in the view. Next thing I know, I am face-to-face with Smokey Bear. Let me guess. Smokey had a tip for you. He did. He must have seen me toss my cigarette on the ground. He told me never to do that because it only takes one spark to start a wildfire. He's a smart bear. Did you know that nine out of ten wildfires are caused by humans? That means nine out of ten wildfires can be prevented. That's what Smokey said. I had no idea. That's why Smokey's famous, and you're not. Good point. Get your Smokey on. If you see someone in danger of starting a wildfire, step in and make a difference, because nine out of ten wildfires are caused by humans. Brought to you by Smokey Bear, the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Learn more at SmokeyBear.com. Only you can prevent wildfires. You're listening to Empower Radio. Now, back to Journey to Center with Dr. Tammy Belashevsky. Hello, my beautiful friends. I'm so honored to be connecting with you here today on Journey to Center. We are spending some quality time with Charlene Costanzo. She's an author, an inspirational speaker, and a modern-day shaman. (laughs) Charlene, I'm so happy to be with you. Oh, me too, Tammy. So I want to talk about touchstones. What is a touchstone from your perspective? You know, for originally touchstones about 2,500 years ago were literal physical stones that were carried a, a mark of authentic gold on them, and people would carry them around so it would, when they um, did trading and someone offered a little nugget or something of gold, they would take it to make sure that it was real gold, make a streak next to the authentic one, and by matching them, they could tell if it was true gold or not, if it was valuable. Well, the word has come to mean anything that really helps us see what is valuable, authentic, true, really, and helps us build wealth. And so what are touchstone stories or, and touchstones for us, really, I think, are things that help us to see the, what's truly authentic, real, and most valuable in us, our spiritual wealth. And things that help us to do that can be, you know, really high-quality music, films, stories, everything that reflects back to us the, um, the highest qualities of love, beauty, courage, compassion, hope, joy, anything that, you know, like, like the gold just sparkles like for that for us. And I think that especially powerful are stories that contain that and show us those qualities. And they can be the stories of others and the stories of, you know, our own experiences. And then I think carrying them, as people would carry one stone around to be able to do that, but kind of carrying in our minds and our hearts, touchstones that when we need, maybe, you know, we go out in the day and to help us make choices, you know, like, is this sort of a real, is this a valuable experience? Is this going to be a valuable choice or not? We can kind of refer to those stories and remember to use compassion, remember to use hope, remember to use, you know, what's really valuable in us. I think that's wonderful. So I know that having a collection of personal touchstones is so valuable and so powerful. So how do you think we can start cultivating our own collection? You know, what the very first step is just, deciding, having the intention, and thinking of oneself as kind of an explorer. You know, life is a journey, and so we're going to be on the lookout for these stories. 
having the willingness to have them, uh, to, to see them. And then um, I think it helps to be, be ready to um, sort of tune in and cultivate a, a pay attention kind of watchfulness within ourselves because when we ask the question, the wisdom, which is one of the gifts in us, is definitely going to give us the answer. So it's going to be providing um, clues for us, exactly what we're looking for. So that's the kind of preparation work. And then I think um, one way um, is to ask others, ask our friends and say, you know, tell me what you think are some of the, what do you admire in me? Is there a time that, um, I don't know if some people would be uncomfortable with that, but I think, you know, we certainly should be able to ask our good friends, our loved ones to reflect some of the things that they see, times that we really did something that they, um, you know, they respected, they appreciated. For example, I do want to give a story. One of the stories in the book is um, about a man who was really didn't see courage in himself until he was 60, and he was talking about really he thought of himself not as someone who had courage. And a friend pointed out to him, just said, well, what about the time you, you know, told your dad you didn't want to stay in the insurance industry, you know, because he expected, because you wanted to become a hairdresser. That took courage. And when you and your wife, you know, adopted that child, and he thought, you know, that was a mistake. And anyway, sometimes we we forget what we've done. Mm-hmm. And um, so asking others um, to reflect things that, you know, that we've done that they, that they admire. Mm-hmm. And then really looking at our, the times that we um, have struggled and yet we triumphed and, and notice, go back and reflect on them and notice what did it take? You know, notice our courage, our strength, the hope, the faith that got us through. And, then, and focus on that, of course, not the struggle, but the triumph. And, and also, in order to do this, I think sometimes we have to slow down, you know, to do this. Sometimes we're in such a hurry. I know for myself, when I'm in a hurry, I miss, I'm not going to be observing as much. I'm not experiencing as much. So slowing down a bit when we're looking for these things. That's a very good point. You know, when you're the gerbil on the wheel running really fast, it's hard to have that quality of presence and connection with that, that the refined energy that, that is spirit, that is nature, that is, you know, uh, around us all the time, the winks from the universe that we, we often miss because we're just going too fast. And, and I have a, I, one way that's, I think, a fun way to remind ourselves to slow down because sometimes we can have good intentions. Oh, I'm going to start meditating. I'm going to start walking. I'm going to do, you know, I'm going to fit more time for these healthy things into my life. And um, sometimes it doesn't happen. But something that we can do that can take just one minute is to do like a little one-minute meditation or a few minutes is to eat something um, very, very slowly. Mm-hmm. And um, because I think slowing down now and then, sometimes just stopping and saying, I'm going when you're driving, when you're stopped at light, instead of being, you know, in a hurry, just breathing deeply then. So my point is to, you know, to take those little moments to slow down. But eat like an almond or a little piece of chocolate or a raisin, something, and just very, very slowly, it, it can bring us to another place. I mean, it sounds so simple, and yet it's kind of a form of meditation to uh, just be fully present with savoring something very simple is a way to slow down. I love that. And, and you have a story in your book about that thing that I love so much. And I think it, it was a story about when you were 
struggling with, you had a, a diagnosis of cancer and um, it was about Pavlov and playing in the mud. You want to talk about that? Oh, yeah. Well, at the end of that, my journey around the country, when I was telling all these people, you know, no matter who you are, no matter what you face, we have these gifts. Remember to call upon your gifts. When I was diagnosed with stage four cancer and told there was no cure, and at first I felt a lot of fear, well, I, um, I realized I had to walk my talk and go deeper into the gifts. And also, um, at that time, as I was starting treatments, my, my doctor, my oncologist said, this is a time that calls for strength, do what makes you strong, which was so interesting because my book says, my first one said, you remember to call upon the strength whenever you need it. I thought, there's no coincidence there, you know. But I um, was thinking, okay, what makes me strong? How do I how do, I do that? And um, I recall that Ivan Pavlov, who lived before the, um, uh, he's a, a scientist who lived before the discovery of penicillin, and he, he contracted a very serious infection, and he was expected to not live because there weren't drugs for that. And um, he, but he reasoned, he sent his assistant to the river to get a bucket of mud, warm mud. And he sat in bed and he just closed his eyes and he kind of, you know, just worked his fingers, his hands through the mud and with his eyes closed. And what he was doing was going back to his childhood and reliving experiences when he was a young boy. And he felt so happy and peaceful. And his mom did the laundry in the river and she would tell him stories and sing. And he just, he felt so wonderful then by going back so um, so much within himself in that experience that it was so powerful that he returned to homeostasis and the fever broke and he got well. So from that, I thought, okay, that what are the things that make me strong? And among them, it is um, when I was a child, I loved going to the uh, the shore and playing in the sand and in the water and. Um, I love the smell of suntan lotion because it, it, I associated that. So I started every morning, like I would use aromatherapy, which I did also, but I would smell just suntan lotion and put it on my hands and smell it, and it would bring me to a place, of sort of a trusting, hopeful place, of, like as I was in childhood. And that and many other things, I think, really helped me to heal. I think that's a remarkable story. As you tell it, one of the smells that brings me back to that hopeful, peaceful place is the smell of like fresh cut grass. You know, it brings oh, me back yeah. to, I'm nine years old, I'm sitting outside and I, I'm in no hurry. I'm just connected and I'm, I'm peaceful and I'm happy. So I think we probably all have those kinds of memories if we take a moment. What are the tactile sensations or the olfactory sensations or what brings you back to that place of peace and joy and optimism that we all had at some point in our lives? You make a good point. Um, and I, you know, that, that touchstones are not only the stories. And it, now in that case, we're using um, Ivan Pavlov and I did, and you do it with, you, with uh, fresh cut grass. You go back to a sort of a story or a sense of being a child. To have those very things ourselves, you know, and it may be a stone. Some people like a st- literal stone can be a touchstone. A, you know, having a certain flower, having using aromatherapy, um, yeah, it, smells are so powerful for us, and that can so help us to be, um, if we're feeling some anxiety, to be calmed. If we're feeling some depression, to be uplifted. 
and um, having a collection of touchstone stories as well as, you know, objects or little activities, little rituals that help us to shift into a place of peace are very, it really can help us as it did with Ivan Pavlov. And I don't know for myself if that's, I think the chemotherapy helped also, although I'm not really sure, you know, what (laughs) it was, um, because I used my imagination a lot too. I would talk to myself, even the, even the uh, cancer cells. I decided I wasn't going to hate them. They were just confused. And I, I would continue to tell, continually tell them they had a choice of either sort of getting back, getting their act together and getting back into harmony with everything, or they had to leave. They were not welcome. Play nice or we're not going to play at all. Exactly. <laughs> well, it helps it sounds to not like... be afraid of it. You know, it really, I thought fear is not going to help at all. So I have to be playful. No, and I think I mean, that's that... beautiful. That's something you really talk about and teach to be more playful and to have that sense of wonder, childlike wonder. But I'm sure there are people that are, that are listening, that are hanging out going, well, that all sounds well and good, but I have bills to pay and, and things are really kind of scary. What would you say to them? Well, the first thing I want to say is not everybody, it's not everybody's way to be playful. You know, some people it, that do what makes you strong message, that, that is what I would say. And, but it may not be to play in the mud or play in the sand or, you know, roll on the grass or something. But we all know when you tune in, you think about yourself, think about, you know, is it going fishing? Is it playing a certain kind of music? First, whatever we're facing, to let go of the fear first and move into a place where we feel empowered. And knowing that, be true to yourself, find that for yourself. And one thing we that I do when I feel fear, I did it back when I was facing cancer, because, you know, some mornings I'd wake up and there would be the fear again. You know, it isn't as if, oh, I woke up and, it, you know, I put it behind me and in the course of all the months that I was dealing with that, there was never fear. Of course, it came back again. And um, I would go to my freezer, take an ice cube and hold it in my hand and have that ice cube represent fear. And it seemed, you know, an apt symbolism for fear. It just... When we feel afraid, we're like a little block of ice. We feel frozen. It feels cold. Mm-hmm. We feel mm-hmm. like kind of locked up, tight. Paralyzed, yes. Paralyzed, mm-hmm. exactly. It paralyzes us. And we can't think of solutions to a financial situation or finding a new job, anything, when we feel afraid. So we want to first let the fear go. But I, but I think first, we can't just deny it or yell at it or, you know, just hope it's going to go away. The first thing is to just acknowledge, yep, that's what I'm feeling, and kind of let it be for, for a moment, for a few moments. So I would hold it, and it would start to melt already in the warmth of my hand, but I'd put it in a little cup and just with the intention that let my fear melt away just as this ice is going to melt into water. Somehow, that was really powerful for me, just that intention, holding it like it was okay and having the intention of letting it go. And then, I, of course, I did other things like with my son, t- you know, smelling things and a number of things that continue to move us toward, from the fear toward more and more upliftment. What gives us pleasure? What gives us peace? Something I love about what you share, Charlene, is how you address whatever's going on in your life, be it the cancer or whatever, from so many different angles. And you say you don't know what exactly was the catalyst for the healing. But to me, it sounds like you hit it from so many angles. It was this like perfect healing stew, this elixir oh, for your oh, soul. Oh, thank 
<laughs> I, I have never thought of it that way or heard anybody say it that way. And I did feel, and I didn't come at it like, oh, no, I don't know what's going to work, so I have to try many things. It was from a perspective of fun and sort of mm-hmm. trust. And, well, I had read that story so many times to thousands of people, so I think that had something to do with it. And I read that again and again to myself, those you know, those wishes, those blessings. Um, so I would remember to go into the gifts. And I would say, okay, how? So I believe that beauty heals. I believe all these gifts can help us heal. How am I going to nourish them with myself? You know, how am I going to tap into them every day? And sometimes well, that's what I hear. Yes. You yeah, took how, how do you do that? Yes. Well, and sometimes we, um, we do go in, but sometimes looking in the outer world does help us to see it because something in the outer world resonates with what's inside. I'm not looking for the outer world to fill something in me, but when I look at a beautiful tree or I look at nature, I see a bird fly, I see nature does a lot for me, or I'm watching a beautiful, you know, film that's so uplifting. It's really something outside, and it's not that that's doing it, but like a tuning fork, fork that is resonating and making those gifts in me hum. You know, and I think it changes the energy within us. I absolutely think it can. What I say is that, you know, the world is like a mirror and some of the images in the mirror look really beautiful and others look a little contorted, but we get to choose where we spend time looking in that mirror, you know, and, and let that validate that deeper beauty of who you are. So again, I think the subconscious mind loves ceremony, and it seems to me you did so many things to take responsibility from so many angles that it ended up being the perfect healing combination for you. So I, I'm just very inspired by that. Oh, thank you. And I, I love sharing it. I love to do workshops and uh, write about it, talk about it, and encourage people to find um Oh, one thing I've done in workshops is I spread out on uh, oh, on, a, on a surface a lot of different objects. And we do some prep- preparation things before it. But, um, I mean, I have, like, tools that I get from the hardware store, paper clips. You know, anyway, just a wide variety of, of objects from nature and things in the home. And I ask people to just, um, everybody gets sort of a little baggy to be their toolkit. You know, and again, the whole... The notion is do what makes you strong, and one of the activities is what, what's calling to you, a playing card, a feather. Um, in fact, one of the stories in the book is about, uh, I don't know if you've read the one about Olana. Um, I'll come back to that in a minute. But um, very often, if you just, one could do that in your own home. You could walk around and, you know, look in your junk drawer, look in different places, and place things out or walk around outside, go for a walk, see what calls to you, what stones, mm-hmm. What, mm-hmm. what feathers, what, what objects, and then choose just a few that seem to be, I don't know, a call to you, offer beauty. And then if you sit with them for a while, we'll see, because of the nature, the way our psyche works, which I can't tell you how it does this, but I know it does work, we'll realize what it stands for. Either a story will emerge or we'll realize, you know, what what it's a why it symbolizes a certain value, why it's important to us. That is how wisdom again, that's how wisdom is working with us all the time. We have this inner GPS that is guiding us and just in so many ways. And when we trust it and we listen and we say thank you, 
we seem to, I think, hear it better and better. I think that's such a beautiful um, suggestion and exercise. I've done this when I'll just look around my environment and see the things that I love or have called to me. And I, I look at it as a reflection of who I am at a deeper level. But I think that's so cool just to go around nature, your house, pick up some items that are really speaking to you, set them in front of you. And what is the story? I think that's a beautiful um, what is doorway right. or portal right. to that deeper wisdom that's in all of us. If we take we the have time. A, a, few minute, a few minutes for me to, uh, well, a moment, to, to uh, refer to the story, Pollywogs for Alana, one of the stories in the book. Absolutely. I would love to so hear it. So I was preparing for this um, Do What Makes You Strong workshop at the wellness community. Uh, wellness community is, by the way, they're, they're in communities throughout the country and throughout the world for people who are facing cancer. And um, I was a survivor, and it was for people, um, anyway, uh, facing cancer or a loved one facing cancer. And I, so I was gathering feathers, stickers, stones, safety pins, pennies, as I said, all kinds of objects. And, um, you know, we did some other activities. And um, I this was the first one I did, and I just really wanted it to be great. I had benefited so much myself from being... Um, you know, participating at the wellness community, and I wanted to go back and give something great. So um, the workshop was over, and um, I wasn't sure. I thought, well, I think it's good. I don't know if I was great, but it was good. <laughs> and at the end of it, a woman says to me, I have got to tell you what happened. Oh, my goodness, what happened up there? So she said she was walking up to the table, and she said, all of a sudden, she she heard this voice like inside saying, I wonder if she put a polywog on the table. I heard her say this and I thought, polywog? And I thought, a tadpole? You know, <laughs> I, I was confused. And she said, no, you know, those, um, those seeds that come from maple trees. When I was little, my sisters and I used to open them up and put them on our noses when they were fresh and sticky. Oh, helicopters, I replied, picturing how I too had played with those seeds as children. She said, yeah, when we were little, we'd toss them up in the air and watch them spin down. And sometimes we called them whirly birds, but usually we called them pollywogs. Well, I said, how could this be? I'm thinking, I did not put any, when I collected things, I did not put any of these pollywogs or whatever, whirly birds on the table. But she told me when she got up and she um, was collecting, picking up a little bottle of bubbles and different things. And sure enough, there on the table, she saw a little polywog. And she put it in her bag, and she also picked up a few pine cones. And as she was going back to her seat, she was shaking her bag. She was so excited that there was a polywog in it. She got back to her seat and saw that there were more. Well, the bottom line is they were, they were not from maple trees, but they were the same shaped seeds that came out of the um, uh, pine cones. And to her, they were polywogs. And to her, they were an answer to a prayer. And mm-hmm. it was reminding her, it, the fact, first of all, the fact that she said, I wonder if there would be polywogs, and they were. She felt as if spirit really heard her and was so present for her. And she was getting this guiding message to, to be more childlike because she was seeing herself playing with those, with her sisters. And she felt that was a, a path for her to you know, to have that approached in her healing. That is such a beautiful story of, of synchronicity and uh, just divine connection, divine support. You know, and for me, it was also to trust because I was going to the, uh, you know, this event and um, 
felt that I didn't have enough stuff, and I got out and I saw pine cones on the side of the road, and I picked them up and put them in. And so <laughs> I'm glad I listened. And, you know, I also, the lesson for me was don't worry about being great. Just show up and do your best because God is what, you know, let God show up with the greatness. Mm. Well, and that is one of my prayers and intentions, to become a hollow bone for spirit to work through. And sometimes we have to get out of our own way, you know, our mind. Like, don't worry about being perfect. Just yeah, show yeah. up with that heart, that, that, that love and that sincere intention. And, you know, it, it seems inevitable that miracles will happen. See, and I, I know I need stories to remind me because I, I can have that theory, have the intention. But then, like, even with that and talking about it now, because I feel... I love sharing, but I will tell you very honestly, Tammy, I'm, I have to call upon courage to do radio interviews. It's not my favorite thing. I admire what you do so much. I'm more comfortable <laughs> writing. So, you know, I, I, as I said, I need to call upon courage. And then to remind myself, oh, don't, it's okay if you get a little stuck or you forget what you're saying. You know, we're not perfect. Just, just show up and be present and let it be. Yeah, just, I think just to show up, it's just like what you said about the story with your daughters, to have just that love, that sense of unconditional love, you know, Mm -hmm. just to show up in our loving, I think is the absolute most important and most powerful thing that we can do. And give it to ourselves again and again. And, um, and just whatever is going on for us to know that our life journey, exactly as it is, is beautiful and perfect, and we don't have to compare ourselves with anyone else. And as we talked about early in the show, to trust that any confusion, anything that seems just sort of not good enough, or why it, why, is it, why are things going this way, why did that happen, I guess ask, you know, ask for guidance in that so that we see the meaning, we find the blessing, bring the compassion and the love and the wisdom to it, and something will emerge that is, that gives us an aha. Mm-hmm. I think something else you said that is such an important piece of the puzzle is that deep listening. If we listen deeply, there's going to be wisdom there for us. But if we're running, we're, we're not really able to do that very effectively. So the deep listening about picking up the pine cones, to be really present to hear the, the, the wisdom within, I think it, it's such a wonderful guiding light and compass for our human mm-hmm. experience. You know, I know that um, time has gone by quickly here. I, our time is almost up. And I would like to mention, since we're talking about touchstones, is that on my website, charlenecostanzo.com or the 12gifts.com, which is much easier to remember than to worry about how to spell my name, the12gifts.com, is, uh, well, there are various inspirational stories and, and a few video, inspirational videos, a healing video. But it's mm-hmm. a place to sign up for today's touchstone. And um, every day I send out a, a quote, a short quote with just a few lines after it that brings a focus to strength, beauty, courage, compassion, hope, joy, talent, imagination, reverence, wisdom, love, and faith, the gifts mm-hmm. that are in us. I and I hope that. that some of uh, the listeners will go there and give it a try. Absolutely. Well, you have been a touchstone for great joy for me today, Charlene. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. And you, you certainly are for me. I, as I said, I admire what you're doing. And I, oh, the way I heard you opening the show, I saw your beauty and confidence and uh, 
it's the joy with which you do what you're doing to share with people, and I commend you for that. Well, I really appreciate it. I just love so much having these com- conscious conversations. So thank you, Charlene, from the bottom of my heart. Thank you, Brent Carey, for this forum called Empower. Sean, you're an amazing producer and rock star. And to my listeners, God bless you. Thank you for connecting with us. Go to my website, Tammy B. PhD, if you would like to continue the conversation on a, on a more personal level. In the meantime, love from our hearts to yours. Onward and upward. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.